Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm pastor at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in today and happy Father's Day. Sin, it's a big deal. And Christians often talk about how Jesus saves us from sin. But what exactly does this mean and where does this language even come from? Well, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14 is where we're going to start today. In this passage, sin is a force, it's an entity, it's a diabolical system that's opposed to God, that wants to enslave the human race, take away our freedom, our dignity as children of God. The good news of the gospel is that, that, and the hope of the Christian faith is that Jesus is the great emancipator, the one who came to liberate the human race, you and me, from enslavement to sin. This is what we're going to talk about today. This is the biblical theme of emancipation from sin. And it happens to coincide with this week's Juneteenth commemoration, the emancipation of the slaves in America 150 years ago. I hope this message gives you some encouragement. I hope this message unpacks some of the theology of the Bible around sin and freedom. And I hope this podcast leaves you with a few suggestions for the coming weeks, ways that you can recall and celebrate and experience and champion liberation from sin. So I've included some Bible references and takeaways in the podcast notes, and you can find more worship and study resources at our website, www.faithshelton.org. I'm grateful to Chaz and Jordan for their production work on this podcast every week. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, and let's pray. Holy and righteous God, you created us in your image. Grant us grace to contend fearlessly against evil and to make no peace with oppression. Help us to use our freedoms to bring justice among people and nations everywhere to the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Romans chapter 6, the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Here ends the reading. 
Sin is the slave owner, and Jesus is the emancipator. Now, this stuff in Romans chapter 6 is pretty thick. To get at the heart of what the Bible is saying here, we need to zero in on it and unpack a couple verses right in the middle, verses 6 and 7. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Okay, but what does the Bible mean when it says that we're slaves to sin? Let's start with an affirmation. The affirmation that God created you. God created you, me, the color purple, all of it. God's intent for creation is for freedom and enjoyment. We're supposed to take care of the planet, take care of one another. We're supposed to learn stuff, create stuff, make babies, discover stuff, reflect, uh, reflect the creative, compassionate heart of the God who created all of us. The problem is sin, and sin is the problem. Certainly, sin is what we call our willful disobedience to the commands of God. And a couple weeks ago, I compared sin to a virus that can infect us and cause us to manifest symptoms of sin. We sin because of our rebellious nature. We sin because of the weakness of the flesh, original sin, free will, human depravity. We have all sorts of explanations for why we sin, why it's wrong, and why we deserve punishment, or at least a firm slap on the wrist. But sin in the Bible is more than mere disobedience to God and God's rules. Sin is more than simply something that we do. Sin is also the name of an outside malignant force, a person, a system opposed to God who tempts, deceives, crouches at the door. Sin, the Bible warns us, is a force that tries to possess us, steal us, lead us to the dark side, take away our freedom. Sin, sometimes personified as the devil, is like a slave owner who captures us, strips us of our dignity, our humanity, and our hope, and compels us to do what it wants us to do. Sin, the Bible argues, is the enemy of God. It is the enemy of freedom, and therefore the enemy of the human race. Sin opposes freedom and seeks to enslave God's people, and God doesn't like that. God is fundamentally opposed to slavery because slavery is antithetical to God's intent for creation. God is for freedom and opposes anyone who tries to make slaves out of us. The central story of the Old Testament is in Exodus when God sends Moses to free the Israelites from their slavery to Pharaoh in Egypt. The central story, the heart of the New Testament, is that God sends Jesus to be the new Moses to liberate the whole human race from the slave owner named Sin in order to lead us out of slavery and into the promised land, the kingdom of God, where all people are as God created us to be, free daughters and sons. In the New Testament, Jesus is the new Moses, the great emancipator, the liberator of the human race. Jesus' death on the cross defeats sin, dismantles the systems that perpetuate our bondage to sin, and through baptism, we are liberated by the authority of God and led into freedom under the protection and provision of God. Look at John chapter 8. It says a very similar thing. There's a story where Jesus is talking to the Jews and and says to them, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The answer to him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
Jesus' authority as the Son of God breaks the hold that the slaveholder sin has on our lives. Jesus' self-sacrifice on the cross provides the path out of slavery and into freedom because God hates slavery. And God sent Jesus to liberate us from our slavery to sin. Now, how exactly does that work? Well, the best answer, the most honest answer is, frankly, we don't know. It is the mystery and grace of God. But the Bible does take a stab at it, some ways to understand it. And it's something like this. Jesus' own death and resurrection is the template. It's the pattern. It's the path to freedom for all of us. When we were baptized, baptism put us to death. It drowned us so that we die to sin. And the reasoning is that once you die, the slave owner has no more claim on your life. So in the waters of baptism, we die with or in Christ, which releases us from our bondage to sin. Then we are raised with Christ, born again to live now and for eternity under the lordship of Christ, no longer enslaved by sin. So in Christ, we are truly free, connected to the source, led by the Spirit, united in Christ, living in grace. This is the God-filled life we were made for, no longer slaves to sin, the Bible says. If we're slaves to anything, we're slaves to righteousness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The Bible compares baptism to what happened to the Israelites when they passed through the Red Sea back in the book of Exodus in that having passed through the waters, we arrive on the other shore, having been rescued from the one who had enslaved us. Jesus leads us through death, through the Red Sea, in order that we arise, emerge as free people, the people we were made to be on the other side. So this section of Romans 6, yes, we're still in Romans 6, this still ends with, with this reminder, a warning about the ongoing threat of sin. Since we are free from sin's claim on us, then why in the world would we voluntarily submit to sin by sinning again? Jesus set us free from sin, but sin is always looking for loopholes and lures to draw us back onto the plantation. Martin Luther teaches us then to die daily to sin. We recall, we remember our baptism every day so that every day we die to sin and rise to newness of life. Our baptism liturgy refers to Romans 6 when we say in holy baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're born children of a fallen humanity, but in the waters of baptism, we are reborn children of God and inheritors of eternal life because God hates slavery. God sent Christ Jesus to help us, to liberate us from sin. Now, when we are young, we sometimes get the impression that, God of the, that the God of the Bible is a party pooper, that God doesn't want anyone to have any fun, so God makes a bunch of rules that no one can follow, then spends an eternity making a list, checking it twice, finding out who's naughty or nice. Anyone who has too much fun on earth has to pay for it in hell, a kind of eternal hangover. In this party pooper theology, Jesus is the hero who intervenes with grace and convinces dad to lighten up on the human race by insisting that he receive whatever punishment everyone else deserves. And dad has a soft spot for his son, so decides, well, everything's all better now. And from here on out, the only rule is you have to believe in God and be a nice person. The problem 
One of the problems with party pooper theology is that it puts humanity in opposition to God rather than as beloved daughters and sons. It reinforces enforces the myth that somehow obeying sin is more fun than living in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Look, the commandments spell out specific behaviors that we are to avoid, and we should seek to follow them as best we can, not because God doesn't want us to have any fun, but because lying, stealing, killing, and committing adultery do damage to our neighbors, also created in God's image and can lead us down that very path of slavery to those habits uh, our worship liturgy describes as captive to sin. Remember, slaveholders are always looking for ways to lure the slaves back onto the plantation, to strip us of our freedom, our dignity, and our humanity, and sin is no different. A few more verses from Romans chapter 6, now verses 15 through 18. What then, Paul writes, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves of righteousness. Which brings us to today. As Americans, we don't have to go back to Bible times to understand the pervasive and insidious threat of human slavery. Some of our own ancestors subjected others of our own ancestors to human slavery based on race and skin color. These enslaved ancestors of ours precious children of God, cried out to the God of Moses, the God who hates slavery, the God who emancipates slaves and opposes the slave owner. They leaned into their faith and the hope that Jesus would set them free. I have a dream, they prayed, liberty and justice for all. Our predecessors in the faith saw their story in the Exodus story of the Bible. The Israelites, they themselves had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. The story of their emancipation involves divine intervention that includes plagues, hardened hearts, bloodshed, and even reparations. Modern-day readers of the Exodus story wonder why God is so hard on Pharaoh unless we grasp the absolute horror of slavery, that the slave owner has set himself or herself in direct opposition to the will and sovereignty of God, and that God will not stand for it, will not tolerate human slavery in any form, as it is a fundamental violation of God's creation. The Exodus story speaks to how difficult it is to undo a system of slavery that has been in place for 400 years. Juneteenth, June 19th, is a holiday celebrating the announcement of the emancipation of American slaves. And I confess that along with President Trump and most Americans, I was not aware of this holiday until about two weeks ago. Yet we also know that slavery did not relinquish its hold in 1865. Overt slavery simply gave way to, gave way to sharecropping. The KKK, segregation, voter suppression, Jim Crow laws. And even as some of these more subtle forms of slavery gave way in the civil rights movements of the 1960s, the, get, the degradation 
of slavery still asserts itself in racial discrimination, media stereotypes, mass incarceration. Look, for many in the African-American community whose right and ability to vote has been harassed and hindered at every turn for decades, the phrase voter security sure sounds like more of the same. Look, the point is that all slave owners are the same. Pharaoh would not readily relinquish his claim on the Israelites. American slave owners would not readily relinquish their claim on African Americans. Sin does not readily relinquish its claim on you and me. But the gospel is this, that Jesus came to set us free from sin and death by uniting us with him in his own death and resurrection so that we might walk in the perfect freedom of the God who created us, loves us, has a purpose for our lives, and that baptism is a sign of God's promise, the waters through which we pass from slavery into freedom. So three takeaways. Remember your baptism, guard your freedom, and champion liberty and justice for all. Remember your baptism. Or learn how you can receive the gift of baptism. For baptism is a sign that God gives us to show us, to remind us that we were made for freedom, that no one has a claim on our lives apart from God. Baptism invites you to lean into God, not, aw- not away from God. So find some water. Make the sign of the cross on your forehead. Child of God, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. Then go outside and, I don't know, throw water balloons at people, you know, Help them remember their baptism. The second thing I would say is a warning to guard your freedom. Recognize the areas of your life where you are susceptible to the slavery to sin. Addiction, politics, race, pornography, social media, jealousy, perfection, success. Notice what voices you're listening to. Remember that sin is crouching at your door, ready to kidnap and enslave you, bring you back to the plantation. The devil prowls like a lion, seeking someone to devour. Be alert and of sober mind, the Bible says. And here's a dangerous conversation to be had. Ask someone you disagree with politically to tell you what they think, and then listen to them. Remember your baptism. Guard your freedom and champion liberty and justice for all. That's our job description as as Americans, right? Being champions of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. And as Christians, we're called to apply this not primarily to our own benefit, but the benefit of others. We're supposed to work together to ensure and protect the rights of all people. There are innumerable causes and charities and concerns out there locally, nationally, globally, I'm proud of Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton. We give specific support collectively to a few organizations, Lutheran World Relief, Community Lifeline, Living Stones Prison Congregation, Corner of Love Ministries, the Dominican Republic School. And we're committed to being open to dialogue about issues and concerns of our day, including race and gender identity and faith. Here's the thing that I want to encourage you to do or to continue to do. I want you to pick one. Pick one way that you can be a champion of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. And there are a multitude of causes out there. Just pick one. Something that promotes the liberty and well-being of others. Maybe it's safe schools or feeding the poor or religious freedom or the humane treatment of animals or clean water or Black Lives Matter. 
Look, we don't have to all agree on one cause. But when all God's people are engaged in the pursuit of liberation and emancipation according to our heart, well, this is the freedom that we have in Christ. So remember your baptism. Guard your freedom. Champion liberty and justice for all. Because the gospel is that Jesus came to set us free from sin and death by uniting us with him in his own death and resurrection so that we might walk in the perfect freedom of the God who created us, who loves us, has a purpose for our lives. Baptism is a sign of God's promise, the waters through which we pass from slavery into freedom. Thank you for listening to this week's We'll Preach for Food podcast. For more information about faith, as well as worship and study resources, you can go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any other way you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Faith Shelton. And if you'd like to make a financial gift to support this podcast or some of the other ministries of Faith Shelton, you can click on the link on this podcast site. I'd love to hear comments. I'd be delighted to connect with you if you'd like to learn more about baptism or church membership. Now, I've asked my friend Chris Odie, pastor of Livingstone's Prison Congregation, to fill in for me this next week on this podcast, and then I'll be back again after the 4th of July weekend. I'll leave you today with a good word, a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in the freedom of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.